Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steel's War Room. I'm your host of this week, the show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, and the whole Steelers organization as they look to put together a winning roster uh, for this year and beyond this season being 2021. And interesting, the Steelers are now 5-4-1 on the season. You know, Los Angeles Chargers end up 6-4 and four after that game. Steelers miss a chance to really get ahead in the AFC North and dial up the pressure ahead of this week against the Bengals. We'll get to that when we preview the Bengals rookies. If this is the first time listening to the show, which it might be because it's Thanksgiving, you've got more time. Uh, you might listen to some of the other shows. I'm Matt Preville to say I'm the host of uh, this show, Steelers Warm. I'm the co-host of Steelers Touch down under uh, which goes live uh, on youtube on a saturday evening uh, about 4 35 p.m uh you know sometimes a little bit late depending on the time zones uh both in daylight saving in, in the u.s and here in australia where um my co-host and i mark davison both live uh we both live in new south wales you know the state sydney is the capital of but hey you might also be fresh to behind the steel curtain and we're we're a family of um, podcasts, articles on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop and non-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and say so these podcasts come from direct audio shows like like this one. Uh, and then the, the YouTube shows, as I mentioned, like Touchdown Under is, uh, that go live uh you know on youtube and then they and then they move into the podcast network within a you know six to 24 hour period depending on um the shows and the timings and, and our new you know sort of publishing schedule there look we've got everything uh everything from fantasy football college and draft stuff um both on website the website and through this show uh to analysis to film room studies to breakdowns to you know ranking shows and what have you there's some amazing content morning noon and night literally uh across the network from the pod for the audio side of things or the YouTube side of things, and then articles are going live all the time, uh, you know, and so that's an, that's an incredible opportunity for, for us all as Steelers fans, you know, because everyone who's part of the Behind the Steel Curtain network are all Steelers fans just like you are. But look, let, disappointing game this week. I was disappointed. I have the, I'm on PTO at the moment from work, so, you know, I've had this week off and I was enjoying it being at a bar with my, with my fiancé and we were watching it live and it felt like we were, we were in the States and travelling and had the jersey on and got them to put it on the big screen in the sports bar and it was great. Um, found a new local sports bar near me as well, which is one of the better ones in Sydney, which is interesting because I live about 40 minutes, um, 30 to 40 minutes drive from our, our main sort of central business district or the heart of, you know, the actual, you know, city part um, there. So, you know, quite interesting from that perspective, kind of like, you know, living 30, 40 minutes if you're in Pittsburgh from the ice skating rink in the middle of the city that pops up every, every winter. Uh, but you know, as I said, like, you know, I found this sports bar, really excited, you know, definitely be going back there. It's, it's literally an eight minute walk from my house. Perfect. No need to worry about, you know, um, any, you know, ways of getting home. If you, if you have a couple of beverages, as we like to say, but anyway, moving back to this game, 27 points in the Steelers in the fourth quarter, incredible, uh, you know, in that sense, shame they couldn't beat that sort of record that sat there. I think it was like 260 games that they'd lost um, going back to the sixties uh, where they'd been down by 17 points in the fourth quarter. They almost, you know, broke that situation, but they couldn't. All hats off to Big Ben Roethlisberger. I know he's not a rookie, and we usually cover the rookies, and we'll get there 
terms of proving the Bengals rookies, but, you know, looking back on the uh, the rookies from the Steelers last week, but, you know, hats off to Ben, certainly no rookie, but 28 of 44 for 273 yards, three touchdowns, only sacked three times, quarterback rating of 103.7. His average on the season was like an 87.5 range of this game for his quarterback rating, so that's terrific. Uh, but moving on to the rookie side of things, so you've got Najee Harris, obviously had the concussion, had to go off, miss it, I think it was almost two full quarters, um, 12 rushing attempts there for 39 yards, one touchdown, long and 12, six targets, five receptions, 20 yards, long and seven. Uh, so, you know, a difficult day from Najee, you would have probably hoped he would contribute, you know, 40 or 50 more yards in the run game and, you know, another anywhere between 10 and 25 yards in a receiving game in this sort of game, taking the pressure off Ben uh, wasn't to be. Uh, but you know, that is, that is what it is, uh, you know, and, and so in some ways he hopefully ends up a bit fresher, uh, for, for this week and beyond, but you know, that, that's a contribution from him there. Then we move on to Pat Freemuth, uh, seven targets, four receptions for 11 yards. Uh, so I think he had 13 and then there was one in the backfield for about minus two. Uh, that's one TD on the day, important TD from him, uh, long of five. So you're seeing Pat again used how a lot of tight ends are used, you know, for those third downs in the red zone. That's where he's making the difference, you know, and for a lot of tight ends, that, that is how they're used. It's not about lots of yardage, but I do think we'll see something a bit different, you know, trying to get him a bit more open this week uh, from Matt Canada. Uh, I think we, I think we're going to see that sort of, perspective there from the defensive side of the football train norwood uh had an interesting day there uh replacing sort of minka there with uh seven tackles six solo uh obviously one assist there no quarterback hits no tackles for a loss no fumble recoveries yards touchdowns forced fumbles uh he had no pass defenses on the day either so, you know, that was sort of interesting from that perspective. So he wasn't really able to go gangbusters in the contribution, but it's obviously, you know, did well from a tackle perspective. Uh, Presley Harvin on the special teams, he had uh, only one punt on the day, which is a good thing for the Steelers. Uh, 46 yards, and, you know, and terrific result there um, as well, you know, from that perspective. So, you know, as I say, you, you can't ask much more than that with that average, you know, and also punting, punters can be depending on where the defense stops and, or, or sorry, where they're stopped from the offensive side, you know, and how far they're going to actually be kicking it too. So that's always something you've got to remember, um, you know. But as I say, looking at some more, like what we all they call the advanced stats, you know, say Pat Freemuth went for 13 yards after the catch. Um, there was one that he had yards before the catch where it was minus two. That affected his average. He allowed Ben to have a quarterback rate of 101.8. Najee Harris allowed Ben to have a quarterback rating of 80.6 when they were both targeted there. Uh, Najee Harris, as I said, catching five or six for 20 yards uh, from from that perspective. Let's say with Trey Norwood, uh, you know, there he allowed three out of four, three completions on four targets for 72 yards. That's an average of 24. So that's that's pretty massive, but obviously he's playing deeper in the backfield there. Yards per target of 18.0. Allowed a quarterback rating of 156.2. That's almost perfect. As you know, like with these ratings, they're out of 100, I think it's 158.6. And he allowed a TD as well. Um, But his depth of uh, distance of of target was 6.3. You know, air yardage he allowed was 18. So it was yards after the catch. That was the problem. But he didn't actually miss any tackles. So, you know, you can't blame him from that perspective, uh, from from that one there. Um, You know, it's an interesting sort of day out for him. 
Derek Tutska, uh, you know, he, he played a few snaps as well, was on two blitzes, didn't record um, any solo tackles or any sacks or, you know, any tackles for a loss. He did have one, um, I think oh, he was part of one assisted tackle uh, there. So that, you know, that's really the contribution from the rookies um, in this before we get to snaps. And then I think, you know, we talk about the O-line as well, uh, you know, there, obviously Dan Moore, you know, Kendrick Green, you know, the snaps over the head, you know, these guys just got to be given time to improve, you know, from that perspective, it's not going to get better, but, you know, before it gets worse kind of thing, uh, you know, but we can talk about them, you know, when we, when we crack on a little bit. So in terms of the snaps for the Steelers this, you know, this week, and this is the thing that we, I guess, you know, you haven't heard me talk about the offensive line and, you know, I think we can all, you all saw it. You saw Kendrick Green struggles. I know my, Colleague Michael Beck put out an interesting article saying he was done. I know Shannon White piped in and said he isn't. I don't think he is. I don't think moving the guards the right answer. I think he just needs a chance to get some snaps there. I think he needs a chance not to have the pressure. I do. I said it to Mark and uh, Mark Davidson, my co-host, as I said earlier, Steelers touchdown under. I said to him in a, in a chat about 36 hours ago from when I'm recording this um, that I felt as though that basically, you know, he needed, they need to get a veteran there. So there's not that full pressure, give him some versatility on the line, you know, he's snapping in the NFL, you know, and a lot of the light, all of the chat, I invite you to go back and look at that article, but it's a lot of chat about how fast he's trying to get off the line of scrimmage to block someone. And maybe there's that over eagerness, which is not helping him set his position right, but it's also affecting how he's snapping the ball. I think a lot of those things are true. Um, I think not having Kevin Dotson, who he's had next to him, I think they're being, you know, a rookie tackle there and Dan Moore, who again played 100% of the snaps. I think some of these things come to the fore against that whole offensive line. You've got Trey Turner coming back from an injury um, as well. Some people don't like him, so other people think he's really mean and nasty, which is what you want on that offensive line. So there's some interesting things as well uh, from that perspective about that offensive line. I just think they're rookies. I think there's, you know, I mean, obviously they're rookies, but that means that you're going to get good weeks, you're going to get bad weeks. And, you know, it wasn't a great week. It's a really great week when they all put it together. It's not a great week when they don't. And I think this week, you know, I think Dan Moore didn't do too bad. Um, I do need to go back and look at some of the finer points of his game. Obviously, Kendrick Green, I said there was, you know, some highlights there of where he did poorly. Other, there, I know that in particularly in that article, you know, one of the commenters had put in the fact that there were he cited four different plays where he thought Kendrick did well. I mean, I saw that last week as well where people were going, oh, you know, Kendrick didn't play a good game. And there were some snaps where he did some really great things. So, you know, you're going to get your good and the bad with those situations. Um, I don't think one, the 100% of the defensive 76 defensive snaps was helpful for Trey Norwood, nor playing 71% on special teams. That's a lot to ask from him. Uh, and I think that leads to that 156.2 passer rating that we talked about before, um, you know, and that, and that leads to that sort of a challenge there. You know, I think going the rest of across the defense, the, you know, the defense as well, you know, uh, it's a hard one. I think when you go to special teams, I mean, personally, Harvin, he only needed the one punt, which was helpful, played a quarter of the defensive snaps. Oh, sorry, the special team snaps there. You know, Derek Tutska played 42% of the defensive snaps, didn't do a lot. Steals obviously missed the pass rush of TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith. Uh, last year, one of last year's rookies stepped up there. So that's exciting. Um, but they're going to need to get a bit more out of these rookies going forward, particularly if they want to beat the Bengals this week. But that's a perfect segue, actually, into the Bengals. <laughs> so let's look at the, the Bengals rookies 
that we can preview this week ahead of the game. So one thing to note, Dante Smith, their tackle from East Carolina, he's out on IR. Joseph Asai has been out on IR since uh, the preseason. I think he did that in the Bucks game uh, where he got a sack against Brady. Uh, he's an ex-Texas Longhorns. I'm a Texas Longhorns fan. So, you know, disappointed not to see him, but also very good not to see him because I think he'd put us under a bit of trouble with this rookie, this rookie-dominated O-line. Uh, but then you got Thaddeus Moss out as well on IR tight end. He's obviously the son of Randy Moss. Uh, he floated around. I think he was on the um, Vikings and the Giants last year, I think, from potentially um, but he didn't play. Uh, and then you've also got uh, White Hubert um, and Mitchell Whitecox as well uh, there who are, you've got some interesting designations themselves, both the tight end and the defensive end. But it's important to kick off, you know, when we're looking at these uh, six and four Bengals uh, and where they're sitting right now is in second in the AFC North. And really look at them from the perspective of Jamar. Let's start off with Jamar Chase, six foot one, 200 pounds, according to Pro Football Reference, played 10 games for 47 receptions so far on the season, 867 yards, eight TDs. It's almost won a game. Uh, he's averaging uh, 134.2 fantasy points. Um, which is pretty interesting there. Yards per reception, 18.4. That's pretty That's pretty incredible there from him, uh, you know, in, in terms of that. Last week, he actually only had a 50% catch rate. Uh, so it was interesting, um, or catch percentage, I should say. Uh, you know, and, and he sort of, he, these receptions have come off in previous weeks. He actually only had caught a third of his passes against the New York Jets as well in that loss uh, as well. But he had 13 receptions. Uh, against Cleveland recently, where he caught only six. But obviously, he's catching, he's going after these deep balls. His yards per target as well sort of have shuffled around this season, which is pretty interesting. Um, you know, from that perspective, you know, there's been season high of 20.10, and you see as low as, you know, five yards in other weeks. So it's interesting to see how he's being stopped against the defense. He's interestingly had six rushes on the season as well for 15 yards, uh, 17 positive yards, uh, two yards, uh, minus two yards in week one there. So he's played in, like, he's had a season low of 79%. Uh, which was in two games, both in week four uh, there and also in week six. But he's played 92% last week, 95% the week before, 95% the week before that as well. Week one and two, he played 90 and 93% of the snaps. So, you know, he's playing obviously the vast majority of their snaps. Uh, no special teams, no defense. So they're really previewing him as well, which, is you know, so previewing him, they're protecting him. <laughs> talking to talking too quickly uh, from that perspective. But as I say, he's someone that's a massive contributor for them. Uh, he had a season high 201 yards in week seven against Baltimore. You could see him used maybe perhaps in a similar way against the Steelers. He had 159 yards against Green Bay, another team still, and their team was still come up against. You saw their defense. And 101 in week one uh, against Minnesota. The rest of the time he's at, you know, had a low season low of 32 yards. So you don't know what you're going to get. Um, with him, he had 65 yards against the Steelers and two TDs. So it's not always for him of how much yardage he gets. It's actually a lot of the time how they're using him to make, you know, super effective plays and, and how they're doing it. The other thing too is that, you know, against the Steelers last time, his yards per target was 13. That's quite high. And then say he caught 80% of those balls. So the Steelers have got to be ready, uh, you know, for what might be in store, you know, for him as well, because, you know, as I say he can make game you know game changing plays. 
He's had two fumbles on the season, so perhaps the Steelers can look to do, um, you know, something there and really put, put him under pressure. Uh, you know, and he's and he's got actually less than six percent catch rate on the season at fifty nine point five percent, even though he's averaging eighty six point seven yards per game. So there's an opportunity here for the Steelers if they can mark up against him on defense correctly. Uh, but you know, the Steelers are going to have to stop him because he made all the difference uh, last time. Because if you remember the Steelers lost 24, 10, that's the loss of two touchdowns. You stopped your, uh, stopped your Mar chase. You stopped the Steelers losing that game. Then look at Jackson Carmen, their guard six foot five uh, out of uh, Cincinnati. Um, sorry. Out of Cincinnati out of Clemson. Uh, and he's started five games this season so far. You know, he's number 79. He's played 100% of the offensive snaps in week three, four, and five. He played 93% in week eight. He played none in week nine and 11. Uh, so, being, But he played special teams uh, in, the, in weeks nine and 11. So it'll be interesting to see what he does when he comes up against the Steelers, perhaps as a replacement tackle and what have you. He's played 48% of their offensive snaps from the season to date, 16% of the special team snaps. So as I said, Jackson Carmen depends how they're going to use him, depends how they think they can get an advantage there. Perhaps he's a depth piece, but, you know, if there's an injury as well. But that's number 79, Jackson Carmen, uh, who's drafted in the second round, which most people felt might have been a round too high. Then you've got Evan McPherson, their kicker, who's made 15 field goals on the season so far um, of 18 attempts, and he's kicked 29 out of 30 extra points. So not bad. From, from him there as well on the field goal side of things. Obviously, that makes a difference. He's made uh, six out of seven over 50 yards. He struggled between 40 and 49 yards, which is interesting, only making three out of five, but wind can come into play there depending on where he's kicking from. And then he's 100% from 30 to 39 and 20 to 29. So what you really see there is if the Steelers can hold them uh, to these 45-yard-plus kicks, they're, you know, they're in for a bit of a, you know, they might have better chance um, against him, you know, whether they're blocking a kick or whether they're, you know, able to just put the pressure on and dial it up a bit. But as I say, extra points is only this one for 96.7% uh, extra point percentage there. You know, kickoffs, 37 touchbacks out of 54. So that's a touchback percentage of 68.5%. That'll be interesting in, in Cincinnati as well. Uh, and his kickoff averages uh, 64.1 yards. So that's Evan McPherson, who's making a solid contribution, I should say, as a 22-year-old kicker um, as well. Then we move over to Cameron Sample, their defensive end, six foot, six foot uh, three out of 274 pounds. Uh, he's basically uh, added to lane, played in nine games so far, you know, had a season high of 56% of the defensive snaps against Detroit in week six, season low of 9% uh, last week against Las Vegas Raiders as well, where the, where the Cincinnati Bengals won 32-13 there. Uh, and he's played on special teams as well earlier on in the season, and it's sort of weaned off. Uh, the last couple of weeks, he's got one sack on the season, eight tackles, one tackle for a loss, three quarterback hits. So again, you're probably more likely to see him schematically uh, from the Bengals rather than making a contribution play out, play in, play out, or you know, snap in, snap out. Um, but he's also, you know, he was drafted in the fourth round, so he's not someone to you know forget or miss at all. You know, until Tulane on a bad college either, but he's not someone that you're necessarily expecting every part of the game and you know you've got to think of the defensive line there and you know who they've got in uh in Hawkinson, 
And then you've also got to think about DJ Reader and those sorts of players that are, you know, making a massive difference uh, there for the Cincinnati Bengals on, on defense because it is a defense that is doing doing pretty well. Guys like Larry Ogunjobi as well, you know, making making an impact. Uh, there. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty good defensive line. Uh, Hendrickson, not Hawkinson. Hawkinson's a tight end. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Trey Hendrickson's having a great year with nine and a half sacks uh, there. You know, the, speaking of the defensive line, though, you go over to Tyler Shelvin, who's played one game on the season so far. That was week nine against Cleveland, which was the loss. Be interesting to see what he does if he gets any playtime this week. He's only played four defensive snaps on the season. So his position is number 99. Again, does he come in to spell some guys? Is he on certain packages to really put pressure on guys like Kendrick Green uh, there? And, you know, if Hassan Howe is a guard and Dotson's not back, uh, Dotson's on IR anyway. So is he putting pressure on Turner and Green? Then you over to Trey Hill on the offensive side of the football. He's their center or center guard. He's someone that we really liked, uh, myself and Shannon White, coming out of Georgia there, um, you know, in, in the draft. It might have been Trey Smith, I think. But Chan and I certainly agreed on these two. Uh, looked like the look of these, you know, trays, uh, if, if you like, uh, there. But he was drafted in the sixth round overall. I was surprised he went that late. Uh, he's played a season-high 68% of the snaps in there in the Cincinnati's 34 to 11 win uh, over Detroit in week six. Interesting performance from there. He's played about a quarter of all the special team snaps on the season as well. He's number 63 for them. You know, so he's played actually 80% of them so far on the season, but in some games he's, he's averaged 25%. But he has season low in week nine uh, of 7%. And say number 63, again, he's going to be a depth piece for them uh, on, on the offensive line. Then look at Mitchell Wilcox. Uh, as well, he's an interesting player for them. Uh, you know, as well, he's not on IR. He had an interesting designation that I couldn't actually get bring up the uh, the explanation for yet. Uh, you know, so that's unfortunately a bit disappointing there. But he's a tight end that's contributed to them uh, predominantly on special teams. He's played you know minimum offensive snaps, never topping more than fifteen percent or ten snaps um, in any of the games so far this season. So you know, not a massive contribution uh, for him, and, and nothing really you know nothing major on the stat line uh to note about either so you know can be interesting perspective if, if he can do anything this week assuming that designation that i've seen uh you know do, is doesn't mean that he's out for this game then you got white hubert uh defensive end he as well had a designation that wasn't brought up but uh he was drafting seventh round for them you know and hasn't played uh on the season on the season so far so you know nothing to really preview with him but with that, we're going to take a break on Steel's Warren. Join me for part two. As I said last week, if you listened to last week's show, this week we're going to look at some inside linebackers coming through the draft um, that are, who are eligible uh, for the draft. A couple of them are super seniors or seniors. So, you know, they're definitely being in that draft process. But I really want to look at that inside linebacker position. I want to do that before we start to see the issues with Devin Bush because without Vince Williams, you know, not knowing what's necessarily going to fully happen with Spillane uh, and equally you know, that that inside line position needing to get a bit younger. Uh, you know, I just think it's interesting, you know, what we can look at that and whether we, you know, this still is going to keep shaving or not too.
And we're back on Steelers War Room. I am the host of this week, the show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, as they let's put together a winning roster for the Steelers in 2021 and beyond. So as I said, we're going to look at linebackers. So the top 10 linebackers right now, according to PFF, uh, uh, Marcus Hawkins out of Sacramento, Jack Cochran, South Dakota, uh, Jacob Dobbs, Holy Cross, Devin Lloyd, Utah, who's you know one we're going to focus on today. Jack Sanborn out of Wisconsin, or again, another guy we're going to focus on today. Troy Anderson out of Montana State. Malcolm Rodriguez out of Oklahoma State. We're not going to look at him today, but he might, might be one we come back to uh, later on in the season. Then you've got uh, DeMarco Jackson out of App State. Josiah Cox out of North Dakota State. William Anderson, Holy Cross as well. So you've got two guys from Holy Cross there. Jack Sendelback out of Eastern Washington. We're going to look at him today. Uh, Jack Lewis out of Montana, Tory Hargrove out of Abilene, Channing Tindall out of Georgia, Joel DeBlanco out of Cincinnati, who we're also going to look at today. Um, and then a couple of others there that you might have seen, Jordan Young, Dominion, uh, Troy Henderson Jr. out of Austin, Pierre Y. Um, and then you've got Oshaya Trujillo out of Idaho State. Um, and then you've got Tyler Wilts out of Montana State. So that they're just a couple of names there that are in sort of that top 20 or so uh, of linebackers in PFF that are actually eligible for the draft in this coming draft. When we're looking at these players, basically what I did for this week was that I took linebackers that had to have played a minimum of 500 snaps because I know the Steelers want proven performance in the draft level. And what I also thought I'd do is look back at some stats for Ryan Shazier's career rather in college rather than Devin Bush. I think Ryan Shazier is a bit of a different linebacker, um, you know, but also not actually, you know, with people out on, on Devin Bush. I'm going to take him, at, pull, pull him out from the heat and let's focus on, you know, what we're looking for because we're trying to replace Ryan Shazier. Let's, let's be honest, if Ryan Shazier hadn't had that horrific injury against Cincinnati, dare I say it, um, you know, coming back up to the, I think it's the, it's the third or the fourth year anniversary of that awful incident, um, you know, we'd still be having him right now. We'd still be, you know, having him playing and what have you. So wanted to look at that 500 snap, you know, uh, I guess baseline, uh, so far for the season. So Ryan Shazier in college, 2011, 2012, 2013, played three years. He had 210 solo tackles, 107 assisted, 45.5 tackles for a loss, 15 sacks, one interception, one defensive you know, score, four pass defenses, and five forced fumbles. So that's the baseline we're looking at across their college career so far. So let's get into Devin Lloyd, who be very might be very familiar to those that watch college football who saw highlights. Utah beat Oregon this week, massive performance. He stepped up as well. It wasn't necessarily his best game of the season, but it's pretty noteworthy. Uh, and, you know, equally, there's someone in his class too, in Nephi Sewell, who's also on this list, um, who will be eligible in the draft. We're looking at Devin Lloyd. So Devin Lloyd, six foot three, 235 pounds. So I guess that's sort of prototypical height and weight. Now, this is according to PFF. We know that sometimes these college players, their size and their height or their weight and their height, definitely that phys- those physical metrics sometimes change when they go through the combine process. Perhaps a little bit shorter, perhaps a little bit taller, perhaps a little bit lighter. Um, some people lose a lot of weight when they're you know training for the combine stuff too. You've seen that too. Um, or they don't intentionally lose that weight. Uh, but he's the seventh overall linebacker uh, of these eligible linebackers but probably from one of the one of the most noteworthy in the country, constantly in review articles. Uh, he's the fourth. Um, so seventh overall linebacker, sorry, across all of PFF, and the fourth, um, you know, best linebacker in terms of people that are eligible in 2022. 
He averages a grade of 87.4. So he's got a grade of 87.4, you know, for his total defensive efforts, 81 for his run defense, 83.3 for his pass rush, and 77.7 for his coverage. So he's a guy that you could see if you're hunting for a linebacker. He's a guy I think he's first round uh, or early second. I do think someone will pick him up in the first. Uh, So he's, as I say, played four years of college football as well. Now, this season, He's played 677 snaps for 277 in run defense, 131 in pass rush, and 263 in coverage. So you see this nice balance of those 677 between uh, the the run day uh, and the coverage there. So pretty interesting uh, from that perspective with, with Devin Lloyd there. Now, in his career so far, in college. So he's played, he played three games in 2018, 14 in 2019, five in 2020, and he's played 11 so far this season. He's chalked up 136 tackles, 100, you know, uh, assisted. He's had 42 tackles for a loss, and he's had also 14 and a half sacks, four interceptions, eight pass defense, two TDs, two forced fumbles. So there's some interesting numbers there. They're a bit closer to your Ryan Shazier numbers. Uh, so he had, you know, Ryan Shazier had a few more tackles, played a you know, sort of different sort of role there. Obviously, I said, you've got Nefi Sewell, who's, you know, in this list and noteworthy as well. So, you know, how they're balancing that. The other thing as well is that, I'm pretty sure from all the information that I could pull up against Utah and in checking highlights doesn't really help you here. I'm pretty sure they still play a 4-3. Historically, they have, but I'm pretty sure they're a 4-3 defense. So that's why he might be a bit different here uh, in terms of both the size and some of these numbers. So that's interesting. That's Devin Lloyd. You're going to hear a lot about going to the draft. I don't know whether the Steelers are going to be drafting that highly. I think they're going to be looking at what they can do with Devin Bush. I think we're more likely to be drafting the second or third round, depending on who's available, trading up, all the rest of it. Um, you know, you never know what's going to happen with that draft situation. You don't know what's happening with Bud Dupree's uh, comp- compensatory pick. I think that's starting to trend to a fourth with his IR designation, but that's an interesting one to watch. The next guy on my list is Jack Sanborn, who I think is a bit more of a Steelers linebacker um if if they're feeling as though they might lose Spillane they're not going to keep show but if they think Devin Bush you know is the past coverage guy that he's going to be able to work out um you know depending on what they want to do there because I think he's more focused on obviously that run defense and you'll see why you know in a moment but he's averaging 86 point uh 86.8 86.8 grade for his 554 uh, defensive snaps. Sorry, 584 defensive snaps on the season so far. 254 in run D for a grade of 86.2. 151 in pass rush for a grade of 82.1. And then you've also got his coverage, 179 snaps for 61.3. Wisconsin do play 3-4 uh, defense from everything that I could pull up. So that's going to obviously fit more with the Steelers. He's played 36 college games across four years, 127 solo tackles, uh, 192 assist, 102 assist tackles there. Uh, he's had 27 tackles for a loss, uh, four interceptions, four pass defenses, three false fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and nine and a half sacks. So you're seeing their sacks a little bit more in the line, um, you know, a little bit off Devin Lloyd and a little bit off Ryan Shazier, but you're seeing a bit more of the forced fumbles there. You're seeing close amount with the pass defense as well um, and the interceptions too, which is interesting. More interceptions, um, you know, than Ryan Shazier, an equal number to Devin Lloyd. So that's Jack Sanborn. And I think Jack Sanborn is 
depending on what happens from here on in, again, he's a guy that I think you're going to look at. Um, sound like Chris Collinsworth. Now, here is a guy, um, but, you know, I think with Jack Sanborn, you're looking at that second or third round. I don't think you're going to find him uh, to go in the first. So I think it's a bit early for him. The other guy I wanted to look at, uh, so this is the third of the four guys, you know, is part of, is out of Cincinnati. And that guy is Joel DeBlanco. Now, Joel DeBlanco is six foot three, 240 pounds. He's played 617 snaps on the season for a grade of 80.8. He's played 339 uh, in run defense for a grade of 76.4, 105 for pass rush of 68.4, and 173 coverage snaps for a grade of 70.9. The reason I'm picking him, and you've seen me skip a lot of guys like the Holy Cross guys, Malcolm Rodriguez of Oklahoma State, is that... When I looked at the 500 snaps, I wanted to look at guys that were balanced across all different things. I think the Steelers want to see that versatility in the linebacker, particularly if they're a bigger guy. They want to see what they're like in coverage, particularly, again, if they're looking at replacing Devin Bush too. So you're seeing 173 coverage snaps. You know That's almost in line with Jack Sanborn's. You're seeing a much higher rating, but he's a bit lower in run defense and a bit lower in pass rush. This might mean that he's you know maybe a fourth round or a fifth round draft pick. He's played 47 college games in five years as a senior, 101 solo tackles, 108 assisted, 18 tackles for a loss, four sacks, uh, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries. So interesting sort of career for, for Joel there. Uh, played a bit, got a bit of experience, does a lot of different things. I don't think, as I say, he's going to be in these top three, the top three for the draft um, in terms of rounds. But he's someone I could see the Steelers picking up because no one else is looking at him. He's someone that they might see on tape and really like. He's also part of a Bearcats team that's doing pretty well that's going to go to a bowl game. Uh, we'll be interested to see whether he gets invited you know, to the Senior Bowl or something like that as well. But he's someone not, not many people might know about, which might make him, you know, if the Steelers do like him, you know, quite interesting. He's also played a significantly high number of snaps at getting over 600. That's, that's a big deal. Uh, you know, when you look at this list, particularly from some of the, the some of the top guys uh, as well. So that's sort of interesting from that perspective. Now, the fourth guy I wanted to look at and the final guy to wrap up this week's show uh, is Jack Sendelback out of Eastern Washington. And so Jack Sendelback's kind of an interesting one uh, for me. He's sort of played, he's played a lot of years. So uh, he was out in 2018. Uh, so this guy's a, this guy's a pretty pretty old old dude there you know sort of draft eligible this year super senior uh 2016 2017 missed 2018 2019 20 20 20 21 so a bit of a bit more experienced guy now and i know the steals like to develop people the reason i'm picking him is he's six foot three according to pff 235 pound linebacker now i don't have a lot of his um you know as many stats because i couldn't Cross pro football references or sports reference uh, with PFF. Uh, but according to PFF, he's played 517 snaps on the season. So he's made that minimum 500 that I talk about. 84.3 is his total defensive grade. 80.1 in run D for over two, 227 snaps. Pass rush 70.7 over 33 snaps. Now that's interesting because you sit there and you go, well, hang on. Is that great? Has he done enough there? But equally, if he hasn't been able to make the most of those 33 defensive snaps um, in pass rush, then that hurts him. He's got a coverage rating of 79.6 across 257 snaps. Now, that's that's where I, what I think is really significant here because that's 
about six snaps difference to Devin Lloyd, who's playing a lot more. It's more than Jack Sanborn. It's more than Joel DeBlanco. And, and for me, I think that's where you see someone that really could work for the Steelers because he does have that balance between the run defense and the coverage. And he's proven both, you know, pretty aptly as well when you really look at it. Because if you look at Devin Lloyd, you know, as I said, his coverage was 77.7 and his run defense was 81.0. Here you're looking at 80.1 for Jack Sendelback and you're looking at 79.6. So he's actually over both a bit better. I also think coming from Eastern Michigan on that conference, you know, and, and that, that level of a school as well, you know, he's going to miss a lot of people's a lot of people's focuses in the pre-draft stuff. He's recorded three sacks, six quarterback hits, 132 tackles, two false fumbles, one interception, and one pass defense in his college career so far. Again, so he's someone that's going to go a little bit unnoticed. I couldn't tell you where this guy's going to be drafted. This guy could be as high as a third round potentially. I could see him going in the sixth, you know, depending on what, you know, his film puts up, you know, for the pro guys. But as I say, PFF numbers, you know, some people are high on them or not. But what I think is, you know, and but... What I think is interesting for him is that he's actually getting better as the season rolls past. So his defensive grade, he had a season low in week one against University of Las Vegas and Western Illinois of 46.5 and 41.5. He then came out against Southern Utah with an 81.6. And the last couple of games against North Colorado, he had 84.9 for total defensive grade, 89.5 against Idaho, 70 against Weber State, which wasn't particularly great. Uh, and he also had... Uh, and 91.4 against UC Davis. So he's getting better as the season rolls on. He also had 91.5 as a coverage uh, score, you know, in the, in the last game that he played, which is pretty interesting uh, from that perspective. So say, interesting to see where Jack Senderback goes. He's another name to look out for. He's someone you're not going to hear a lot about, but I'm interested to see what he can do through the process. Can he get invited to, you know, a, you know, a, uh, a senior game? Um, can he get you know, into some of the different programs that go on, what will be, where will he get invited to a pro day? These are the interesting things, you know, that affect these draft picks. But as I say, he's just someone that I'm sort of tracking uh, as the season rolls on uh, because he is someone that I think when you look at what he's actually doing across the snaps, when you're looking at his height and weight, you know, whether he's within one or two inches and 10 to 15 pounds of that number, and you look at what he's been able to do across those. And yes, it's not against the best competition uh, in college football, but at the end of the day, you can't lie with some of these, these ratings as well. It'd be interesting to see where he goes. Maybe he even goes in lower and, and a team gets a steal, whoever picks him. Uh, but these are sorts of players where you end up with draft steals. And as much as I want to preview a guy like Devin Lloyd, who's getting a lot of recognition. Um, some of us say he's the best, one of the best players in the Pac-12 on defense outside of Thibodeau. I also want to preview the guys like Jack Sendelback, who could really make a difference for a team if they're drafted. But with that, that wraps up Steelers Warren for this week. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Peverell. As I say always, go Steelers.